The Kansas City Royals want a shiny, new, very expensive stadium, and later on we have a key piece of one of the best MLB teams ever assembled. It's Friday, August 18th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The Kansas City Royals would like a new stadium, and it's only going to cost around $2 billion. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports Newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello. Happy to have you. So where are the Royals at in their quest for a new place to play? Making some pretty significant progress. This is something that they've really been wanting and, and sort of planning for to replace uh, Kauffman Stadium since John Sherman came in as the new lead team owner several years ago. And they're now to a point where they've been looking at a bunch of different sites around the area, and they are now down to two finalists, and they're going to pick one of those two finalists somewhere around the end of the regular season. So we're about six weeks away from having a definitive choice on that. One is downtown, one is more towards the northern suburbs and neighboring Clay County. So we have... um, more of a sort of tight in urban model, one with a little bit more uh, room to spread out, but both sort of centered around a big mixed use ballpark district kind of development model. Got it. So this would be yet another of these. You got a ballpark, but you also have restaurants, housing, maybe a performance space, that kind of thing. A hundred percent. And is there any sense of, you know, are either of these sites in the lead, either with the team or with which is going to be easier with the the local, you know, the area, the government? Not definitively, but right now, knowing where sort of the general trend lines have gone for this sort of thing, I would lean towards downtown. There's an existing base that what they're talking about is not too far from the existing indoor arena there. Uh, so that's just my own personal opinion and, and admittedly some speculation there. But I would say uh, in the commissioner earlier this week, Rob Manfred said they're both great sites and I have no doubt believing that's true. Uh, but if I had to personally pick one, I would lean towards a downtown site. And $2 billion's a, a nice big number. I assume they're going to be going for some public funding here. Do we know anything some, on that end? but not the majority. Uh, you know, th- times have sort of changed a little bit in this regard that uh, the model on this is not unlike some other projects we've seen recently across multiple sports where the private money uh, – is more in that sort of 60, 70, 80% threshold. And then the public piece is the smaller percentage. Um, There's still a lot of moving parts on that, but that's roughly speaking, again, the kind of model that we're talking about in Kansas City, where there's significant skin in the game on both sides for sure, but primarily private money. Zooming out to the the broader picture in in baseball, this has been a banner year for MLB after, you know, years of, you know, people like us writing like, you know, MLB's in trouble. Their their median age is is climbing and it's um, you know, it's not not looking good in terms of how they can attract youth fans. Um I have to think the Royals are, you know, picking a good time to uh to be seeking a, a new place to play. Yes. I mean, they're currently still in last place in their division and yeah, still very much that. in the, the early ugly stages of a long road of rebuilding. But your your point writ large is definitely well taken that this has been a banner year for the sport and really arguably the best year of Rob Manfred's commissionership, which is now in season nine. So uh, 
So things are going very well. Attendance is up. Uh, it's going to be up by its strongest point in the generation. The new rule changes uh, to speed up games and have more action uh, have been a, a smash hit. Um, and in a certain case, a lot of the uh, sort of upside down standings that we're seeing in a, in a lot of respects has been good in that sense that Yes, there are certain cer- certainly some media partners that would prefer not to see the Yankees and Mets, uh, you know, yeah. either at or near the seller. But having all of these upstart competitors, whether it be a Baltimore, or Cincinnati, uh, you know, Cleveland, what have you, in, in some of these smaller markets, Tampa, obviously, year after year. Uh, but certainly foremost thinking of stories like Baltimore, that uh, these are great stories that you can sort of rally around and you still have all these great stars. And certainly we've talked about Otani before on the podcast and, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, pick a star. There's a lot of great talent in the game. And so you sort of put all that together. Things are going pretty well for the league right now. Yeah, unfortunately, the Royals are not benefiting from the upside down standings phenomenon. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know the Mets and fans and the Yankees fans and you know the the Padres and you know, like the, those fans are going to stick around at least for a little while. But then you have this benefit of Cincinnati's good, Baltimore's good. You have teams that are making noise that are are uh, not usually in there. You know, the Cardinals are bad, but the Brewers are good. So um, so yeah, I, I feel like. You know, I guess we'll have to see how this all, all plays out in the next few years. But yeah, the new rules have worked out as, as well as they could have possibly hoped. And yeah, you got some some nice shake up in, in the standings. It really sets up for a very strong October. Now, of course, it's just going to be just an immensely busy and competitive uh sports landscape or at large you've got nhl and nba starting that month nfl is you know more popular than it's ever been college football in the midst of its changes uh you know baseball does its postseason at at a very challenging time of year that's just the way the calendar falls uh but they're coming in with their own strength here and there's no clear cut favorite on either side of uh uh, the bracket and yeah they're really set up for what's going to be i would think a very exciting month Yeah, should be fun. Eric Fisher, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Up next, I spoke to Tino Martinez, who had a long and successful MLB career, most notably as the first baseman for the late 90s Yankee teams that are considered among the best ever. Now Tino is taking his talents to the pickleball court in the PBX League, where he plays with other former professional athletes. We talked about all of that and how the Yankees are finally bad now, which as a Mets fan, I take some solace in. That conversation is coming up next. All right, very excited now to be joined by Tino Martinez, former baseball player and current pickleball player. Welcome, Tino. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, great to have you, though I'm already getting flashbacks to the 90s when um, when it was less great to have you. <laughs> I was a Mets fan and just, you know, watching you just dominate New York was, well, we can get into that. Anyway, um, let's, let's start with the present, though. So you're playing with PBX, which is a pickleball league for ex-athletes. So give me a feel for the, the pickleball, the PBX scene. So basically, it's, uh, this, this whole entire league is going to start sometime in the fall. And there's um, former base, MLB baseball players, former NFL players, former NHL players, and former um, NBA players. And what we're doing is... We're playing, we'll be traveling from town to town and uh, we'll be playing against each other as pros or ex-pros, ex-professional athletes. And we will also be playing in pro-ams against the fans out there who want to play against some of their favorite players um, that they've known over the years or watch play baseball or football. And uh, it's going to be a great experience for everyone. 
And uh, how does it feel to, you know, be be competing with, uh, you know, probably some guys you competed against in Major League Baseball, but, you know, folks from other sports? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. You know, you get to meet a lot of people, but there are guys, there are a lot of pitchers I face, Brad Penny, uh, Kent Merker, who are all great pickleball players, by the way. And uh, you'd be surprised at how many of these athletes have taken up the game and how good they really are. So it is a lot of fun to get that camaraderie of these guys um, and to play with fans out there that um, want to play with the former players. Uh, it's a very competitive game, and I picked it up about six, eight months ago, and uh, I'm pretty addicted to it and love playing it. Yeah. Do you think of this as a second career for you, or is it you know, more just you know having fun, see where it goes? Uh, you know, I would say a career. It's more of a hobby for me, and um, you know, I love to stay active and stay busy, and it's just a good sport for really anyone for all, from all ages. I mean, anybody can play. 70-year-olds play very well. Uh, 20 year olds, it doesn't matter how old you are, the game is blown up and people are um, playing it everywhere. So I just, I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy that um, they're starting this league because it'll be a lot of fun for not only the players, but for the fans involved as well. And do you think uh, an MLB pitcher or hitter comes in with a, a better I don't know, arm or skill set for pickleball, or is it, you know, it's just kind of different? Uh, I think they both have an advantage. You know, the pitchers, um, obviously, um, you know, whether through left-handed or right-handed. Uh, there's Kent Merker here, uh, Brad Penny. They're outstanding players, and um, they have the skills to be really good at this game. And then there's a lot of hitters. Uh, you know, Jeff Conine is one of the best bracketball um, uh, players out there, and he's a great pickleball player. So uh, hitters have a little bit of advantage because we hit baseballs for a living, and then um, the pitchers as well because they throw baseballs for a living. So they have the, uh, the technique pretty much in- intact, and it's just a matter of learning the um, – nuances of the game, the angles and the, and the um, dinking and the finesse of the game as well. And any highlights so far in your, you know, young pickleball, uh, I guess I won't say career, but uh, your, your time as a, a PBX player. Uh, well, have we, we, the league hasn't started yet, but as a player, as a pickleball player, I really enjoyed going to different parks. Um, I live here in Tampa and throughout, I was up in Cape Cod about a few months ago and just started joining the games there and meeting people and, um, you know, it's just a lot of fun to go out there and, and just jump in games and see how good you really are. Yeah. To get a warm reception in the, the Boston area? Uh, not too bad. You know, this is Cape Cod. Cape Cod is it's a Boston area, but still there's a lot of um, New Yorkers that um, summer there. They love it in the summertime and uh, do all that. So I was up there coaching a college baseball team. So I thought during the daytime, I just found this league going on. So I went in the mornings and played just about every day. All right. Yeah, sounds good. And yeah, I want to get into to the baseball world. Um, I, I feel a little bad for, for Yankees fans. I can say that now because uh, they're not having a terrible season, but they're in last place. And it just it feels very un-Yankees. Um, so I, I'm just curious. And of course, you, you played for a number of teams, but um, um, just the the expectations of, of the, the Yankees of, you know, you're supposed to compete for the championship every year. Um, this is, how does it feel to, you know, see a team like that? Is, is it really just that much different uh, on the Yankees compared to other teams you might have played for? Well, yeah, I mean, every team has been different. And fortunately, I played on really good teams that um, went to the playoffs every year and the World Series every year, just about. And uh, that was our goal. That was um, Mr. Steinbrenner's goal for all of us. His uh, winning a championship every year was his was his goal, his passion. That was what they ingrained in us. And uh, this team right now, um, I don't know what's going on with them. They're not playing very well. They have a lot of talent on that team, and they just haven't put it together. But um, they're no, it's, it's very disappointing. Uh, it's baseball is baseball, but the expectations of the Yankees are still to this day to win the World Series every year. So 
Uh, right now, they just struggling to make the playoffs, which is um, you know kind of odd considering how much talent they have on that team. But um, yeah, they're underachieving, I think, and um, hopefully they can pull together the last couple of months here and make a run for the playoffs. Because uh, if they don't make the playoffs, it would be very, very disappointing. And what was the the culture like? Uh, you know, played for the Mariners. You had some time with the Cardinal, Cardinals. Um, all you know, good competitive organizations. But I'm wondering if you could feel that culture at the Yankees on a day-to-day basis of we are expected to not just play a good game, but, you know, be the champs. Right, right. You're, you're, you're the expectations are high every single day. I mean, we see it, uh, the Yankees see it each day with the media. You have 40, 50, 60 people in your locker room before the games, after the games, in the press rooms. Uh, there's a lot of media coverage and there's a lot of pressure to play for the Yankees, but that's what it's all about. That's why we want to, you know, most people want to play for the Yankees is to go through that process of like having the pressure to win, um, having the expectations to win, expectations to win every year. And um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a lot different than any other ball club because uh, the media attention, it's a very famous, popular uh, brand throughout the world, not just the United States. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's its own little beast. It's a big, an, it's an animal, but it's a lot of fun to be a part of. Uh, you just got to accept the um, criticism that comes with it. Because there's a lot of advantages that come with it as well. Baseball, it was already changing a lot before this year with all the new rules, you know, with the rise of strikeouts and some some new uh, strategy innovations. But this year, obviously, it's it's a different product. Uh, does it feel how different does it feel to you when you watch a game? You know, having having played for as long as you did, uh, does it feel like this is a totally different thing? Uh, it does. I mean, baseball is baseball, but it, it does feel different. I wouldn't say so much the pitch clock and all that. I kind of like the pitch clock. Uh, I think that's sped up the game a little bit. Um, I'm just not a fan of the um, you can't break up a double play anymore. Um, bunting is just not in the game anymore. Strikeouts are acceptable. Uh, it's just a home run game now that it seems like it's turned into. And um, I think that's what the Yankees got caught up in um, selling out and just going all in for home runs and power and and uh, not really paying attention to team ball. And I think the teams out there that are winning, you know, the, the Astros in first place, uh, the Dodgers, the Braves, all those teams that are playing great baseball have guys who are in the lineups every single day. Uh, they move guys over. They play team baseball. They're, they play good defense and have good pitching. They're playing the all-around game where most teams these days are just trying to swing, swing for home runs, and, um, and they're not going to make the playoffs, most of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've talked about this with other folks, how, you know, the new rules are meant to, you know, encourage guys to spray the ball and, you know, more singles and doubles. But also if you can't shift, then the the lefty power hitter who's just trying to pull everything is not getting punished as much right, by just right. hitting, you know, every ground ball just gets gobbled up by the shift. Some of those are going for singles. So in a way, the new rules also encourage that type of player to just, you know, keep wailing away and some of those will go over the fence. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, the shift is a shift, and I, I, I'm not for or against it. I just thought it was very smart of the coaches that began doing it because they realized this guy hits the ball so many times to that side of the field. Why not put more guys there? So it was very smart for certain teams like the Tampa Bay Rays who started doing that, and everybody else picked up on it. But, yeah, now they can't, be, they can't shift anymore. Um, but you still see such a rise in strikeouts in the games. I mean, you know, I saw the Yankees strike out 15 times a game. The next day, 17 times. Or different teams striking out that many times per game is like ridiculous. I mean, you're not putting any pressure on the defense throughout the uh, throughout the game. Maybe a couple of innings here and there. So uh, it's total advantage to the uh, the pitchers these days to uh, you know if you pitch if you locate your ball correctly, you can get a lot of strikeouts. Do you think 
MLB needs to make some tweaks somewhere or another to, to cut down on strikeouts? No, Major League Baseball, I, no. I think that's just individual players, the individual organizations. Some of them encourage, you know, swinging for the fences and hitting the ball in the air. And um, I think a lot of those teams are the ones that aren't winning. So it's organizational decision to how they want to teach them in the minor leagues. Uh, they don't really teach staying back, using the whole field, you know, bunt for a hit. If you have to bunt for a hit, whatever it takes to uh, get on base and help your team win games. And before we go, I just have to ask you about Shohei Otani because he, he continues to blow my mind every time I see a stat or just see him play. Um, just give me your thoughts on, on just like having this, this truly unique player in baseball right now. Uh, I, I think he's awesome. I mean, he is, he is really, he's one of the things that's really great about baseball these days. I mean, to watch him do what he does offensively and then pitching, uh, nobody, um, you count Babe Ruth in there, nobody's ever done it the way he's done it. I mean, he's a dominant pitcher. Um, he's a, one of the top five hitters in the game, leading league in home runs. Um, but I thought one of the most impressive things that he did that showed me how much he cares about baseball was the World Baseball Classic when Japan was playing the United States for the gold medal. And he really wasn't scheduled to pitch that day because he had pitched the day prior or a few innings prior to the day before. And when they took the lead, he was hitting that day as a DH. And they said, if they have a lead late in the game, he's going to close the game out. And when he ran down to the bullpen in the eighth inning of a two-to-one game, I think it was, uh, which he didn't have to do. He's got his career on the line, uh, millions of dollars out there on the line, and he didn't care about all that. All he cared about was helping Japan, his country, win that World Baseball Classic. And to see him come in and close the game out against the United States, to me, was one of the most exciting and amazing things I've seen in baseball in quite some time. Yeah, that, that was a really awesome open. Still one of my favorite moments of, of this year. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, you think his next contract, what, what digit do you think his next contract will start with? Well, I mean, it just depends on the years, I guess. It's, I mean, he's probably be a $50 million a year guy. If guys are making 35 and $40 million a year now that aren't doing anything as close to what he's doing, he's going to start probably making maybe making $50 million a year. So, I don't know, you figure 50 times, it depends who wants to give him the years, but uh, per year, he will be the highest paid player for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much. Enjoyed uh, talking about all these things. And, uh, you know, I'll forgive you for, for you know, your contribution to the Mets fan torture that I experienced in the, in the hey, 90s. Okay. Well, I'm a baseball fan in general now, and I, I am disappointed in the Mets as well. I thought the Mets and Yankees were both going to be there in the playoffs this year. And when they're both in it, the city is going crazy. And um, we're missing out a lot this year because both teams are really um, underachieved, I think. Yeah, yeah. You, you could. <laughs> this is a historic underachievement in Queens. Uh, and that's saying something for uh, a team that, you know, kind of specializes in that. Tina Martinez, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. That is it for today. We have some fantastic guests on the horizon. So hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there. We will see you on Monday.